0: Welcome to the Institute for Person Centered Care podcast. My name is Ann Garten and I'll be your host today. We are glad you're tuning in to hear from today's guest, Stephanie Ferris. Welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you. For a number of reasons. A, I'm going to have you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, okay. but you're an alum and you're a faculty member here, and I'll let you tell the rest. All right. Yes,
1: I graduated from uh, the occupational therapy program here all the way back in 2002, so about a million years ago. Um, and at that time, it was a master's level program, and we have just transitioned into a doctoral level program. So we're really proud of that and all the work the students have put into it. Um, some of you guys might not know what occupational therapy is at all. Um, we do not focus on helping people get jobs, but that is part of what we do. <laughs> That's always the question. Um, but occupational therapy really is a vast and wide profession. Um, we help people across the lifespan. Um, we look at helping a person clarify like their self-defined balance of daily habits and routines, um, the varied roles and different occupations that a person just performs during a day. And later on, I'll talk about what occupations are, and you guys will be really surprised at how many occupations you have throughout the day and throughout your lifespan. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Excellent. Excellent.
0: I think a little bit of our conversation today is also going to build upon what uh my last podcast was from the narrative initiative folks uh we talked about burnout and communic- need for communication and being caring and things of that nature and we're going to get a little bit into that around stress and yes. uh environments and coping strategies and, and things of that so i'm really excited about this conversation
1: all right So I have been, in my career, um, I spent 15 of those years working on a mental health unit. So stress and coping is kind of second nature to me and uh, one of the things that I do really love to talk about. So um, a lot of background there, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people don't realize the vast amount of um, things and concepts and and work uh, environments that occupational therapists work in, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you you bring that forth uh, because right now, we're in a time where a lot of our professionals, healthcare and beyond, are feeling the stressors, especially related to what has happened in our environment worldwide due to the pandemic, right? Yes. And, and I think uh, working through some of that is really important for all of us so that our uh, work capabilities and in, in, in environments are healthy, uh, and then we are all healthier moving
1: forward. I I absolutely agree. It's rare that we have such a common thread, like you say, globally. Like we are, you know, we're a global village now, and and when one part of our village hurts, the rest of us hurt. And so by being able to bring each other up together, I think we're in a unique position right now. Indeed. 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 So this was part of your doctoral
0: work as, as well, am I correct in that? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I wonder if you wanna share a little bit about the stressors and um, sequences and, and things of that nature and, and share with our listeners a little bit about stress.
1: So there's a couple different types of stressors. And as I was doing my research, I kind of laughed because we went through all of these stages with the pandemic. Um, But when we look at, there's acute stressors. So those are just those short term, they are resolved pretty quickly. Um, Like when we thought at the beginning when it would only be two weeks, and (laughs) here we are a year and a half later. Um, But that would be something like the level of stress increases when you can't find your keys. Or um, like, let's say you've made a mistake on a test or something, like those things that get get resolved pretty easily and then we have stressor sequences which that's just kind of like a cascade of things that happen based on one single event so that could be you know either going back to you can't find your keys and then you're late for work and then you get written up because that's the third time this week that that you know one thing after another like if you get a flat tire and you're you're late for something else so it's just that one event you know there's multitude of things that can come off of that. And then we move into chronic intermittent stressors. Um, and those are usually situations that are reoccurring, but they don't usually last very long. Um, you know, the joke is always like when family comes to visit, so on the holidays. <laughs> That it might be stressful, but you know that there, there is an end to it and it can get resolved pretty easily. Um, and then the last one is the chronic permanent stressors. And those are continuous. That could be where we're having an illness or an environment that just doesn't allow for you to fulfill the occupations that you want to fulfill or um, that it's, you know, you're, you're impaired in some way. You know, that's the pandemic. Again, it's become a chronic permanent stressor for a lot of us. And I think that's wearing on a lot of people. And I think I want to pull in as well that stress is subjective. So Mm -hmm. depending
0: on where you are in this journey, you could be in any of those. Absolutely. Especially with the pandemic or just daily things that are going on in your life. Absolutely. Right. So I, I think that people have to understand that and that's where... Uh, In our last podcast, we talked about empathy and understanding that all of our journeys are not the same Mm -hmm. and to have that communication so that we can better understand where people are. And be able to work through that, either individually or collectively.
1: Absolutely. And you know that you bring up a really good point, that you could be in the middle of a chronic permanent stressor and have a intermittent stressor right. and, and an acute stressor all in the same day. And so that's where, you know, again, going back to kindness, we don't know what another person is experiencing or what their journey is. And so having some compassion and kindness, you know, for ourselves and others as we, it, it doesn't take much, I think, some days to push us over that brink, you know. Indeed, indeed. I think the other piece that's really important is to
0: understand, again, individually or uh, in the culture of a work environment, things of that nature, what's the root problem. Yeah. And And working through that root problem will then engage in healing or improved workspace or improved work output things of that nature yeah and
1: it you know we looking at things you know we have to look at it subjectively and objectively and we have to look at you know what's our role what's our responsibility um, and only be responsible for the things that we're responsible for. Because <laughs> people will gladly give you more to be responsible for. <laughs> or some of us will take on more than we need to. I mean, I'm I'm Absolutely. really good at that, which then also adds to my stressors, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I always think of when, when we talk about healthy life balance, I always think of those rocks that are just precariously balanced. And, you know, it doesn't take much for one of them to topple over for everything to kind of fall apart or you know we're, we're just constantly juggling things right. um or one stressor added or the, and pull that jenga block out
0: right and <laughs> yeah, and then it all collapses i think that's a that's a great analogy yes yeah and and i wonder if you could share a little bit on those personal factors that make these stressors um harder to harder to function through or some of those things around resiliency things of that nature oh, yeah. that
1: that help us work through some of this absolutely you know and just to to start when we look at like coping and adapting adapting is we all do that we're we're adapting through the pandemic we're adapting to wearing masks we're adapting to you know not being as close or, or visiting as much as we used to with people you know so those are just how we as humans change based on the challenges in the environment. So that is as simple as well. A broken arm isn't simple, but if let's say you break your dominant arm, you adapt and you learn how to do things with your non-dominant appendage. And so it's we we just naturally adapt as humans. Um, but that doesn't always mean that the adaptation is good or healthy for us. And so that's when coping comes in. And that is that with coping, it is a it's a process. It's a choice. We're taking in information. We're making appraisals of that information, we are determining, you know, what am I going to do with this information and how am I going to manage through it? And so we all cope in different ways. Um, we don't always cope the best all the time. And so that's something that I think when we start to look at our our own coping mechanisms. Um, so when I was working on the unit and we would talk about coping skills, my number one soapbox statement is always you know coping skills don't take away the problem they just put you in the frame of mind to deal with the problem and so it's what we choose to do to deal with that problem that affects then you know our our coping and our outcomes so some of the ways that we do things you know there's behavioral strategies Whereas we're taking some sort of action to resolve or manage the stress. Um, and so that can be like, I'm gonna go for a walk, or I'm gonna go for a run, or I'm gonna take, you know, something that's gonna help you get into a, a good headspace, or you make maybe some not so healthy choices. And that also compounds your stress because if you're making some unhealthy choices, you might say some things that <laughs> you don't mean, or do things that are harmful to you and your body. So um, behavioral can go both ways. And then there's avoidance. Um, And so sometimes I I do feel like we need to take a step back so avoidance isn't always bad or or a wrong thing. You know, sometimes we get into that shutdown mode where <laughs> your body's like, nope, you're going to take a nap now because <laughs> you're a little too stressed out. And that's just kind of your body's way of, of letting you know that you, you need to take a break. Um, but avoidance can get into problems when it's, you know, you're starting to withdraw, you're using too much distraction, um, you know, social media is a perfect way to avoid a lot of responsibilities um i think we we've turned it into i'm decompressing but then decompressing turns into you know four hours later and (laughs) you're
0: and on on it too too long
1: right (laughs) absolutely um and then there's just some cognitive things that we do where we're either trying to rationalize the situation or we're we're trying to problem solve Um, we're trying to look at you know what are what are my options Um, actively seeking information about the situation because sometimes we make decisions or our stress level increases because we don't have all the information we need to make a decision. You know also looking at what do I have control over in the situation I think does make a big difference in in how we cope and um, what our reactions are when we're moving through that.
0: I think too sometimes we also have to realize that it is benefit to have someone that you trust to have that conversation with, because sometimes we're too close to it, mm-hmm. right? And so we can't see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my students, my son, your family, what have you, is don't always look for the person who's going to tell you what you want to hear either, <laughs> right? In that, in that, take that constructive criticism or constructiveness uh, conversation and in, in to help you see that bigger picture.
1: Mm-hmm, right? Absolutely.
0: And then and then pulling in then it's sometimes easier to pull in those personal um, factors or, or habits that you will find to, to be successful in, mm-hmm. in that journey. Um, so I wonder if we talk a little bit about those and, and self-care strategies that that an individual may take to assist a, a little bit. You talked about going for a run and or or going for um, uh, you know, a walk and and I think those are those are really good. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. think about that need for a exercise, but also being outside, right? Yes, uh, and is really a healthy healthy way to to
1: manage that. But I wonder if you would share a little bit more on that as well. Yeah, I think when it, when we look at self care and we look at coping skills, um, just being able to advocate for yourself. A lot of you know, like you were saying, saying no when our plates are full. Um, I think I heard somewhere that you know trying to say yes with a joyful heart yes. will make a huge difference in the choices that we make um, and in the things that we do choose to do. So making sure that we're, we're saying yes for the right reasons, um, that we're asking for help. A lot of times people don't want to ask for help or think that that's a sign of weakness. Our stress levels will greatly decrease if we ask for help. It doesn't mean that the, that the stressor will go away, um, but I think that if we, ha- you know, many hands make light work. That <laughs> if we need assistance with something, we need to to speak up and ask for it. Um, being assertive, you know, you said you talked about communication skills. Um, I would always tell you know clients on the unit and I tell my students that being assertive doesn't mean you're going to get your way. But you're going to feel so much better about it if right. you've expressed yourself and, and have spoken up, this is what I need. Um, your stress levels will decrease with that. And I think, you know, I talked about information gathering or understanding the situation. I think that if we if we take some time to research or reflect or, you know, like you were saying, ask other people feedback to really kind of get more information before we react or make a, a decision, um, you know, maybe sleeping on it. Some things like that, you know, think about it before you hit send on that email or that <laughs> Indeed, indeed. I think I also want to pull in like that
0: across that lifespan type thing. And that play is really important as well for our kiddos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and even our adults. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I uh, go out to the barn on a daily basis to play with my pony, right? Oh, and, yay. And, and so those are important things to also consider and that uh that coping uh mm-hmm. and and where there's the fine line on the adult side is is that shouldn't add more it, it, my pony does add more work but <laughs> it, it, it when it becomes too much then it becomes additional stress yes. right um so you have to have that fine line but i really want to uh, pull in the fact that Uh, our kiddos need that play and that Mm -hmm. exploration and participation
1: to also find those coping skills. Absolutely. That's how they work things out. That's how they learn about the environment. They learn about each other. They learn rules, Um, you know, in addition to all those wonderful fine motor skills and gross motor (laughs) skills and sensory uh, pieces that come along with play. Um, Well, and when, you know, we talk about those, those individual factors. So, One of the models within occupational therapy is the person environment occupation model or the peo model um and the the textbook that i actually use for for the course that i teach um, is laid out within that model of how the environment the person and the occupation all well can either make our stress increase or it can decrease our stress so some of those things that with the individual or with the person, um, you know, that's those personal characteristics of how a person manages their stress. So, you know, how do they respond to feedback? Um, you know, are they open to giving feedback? Because sometimes that goes back into that communication, you know, we right. need, we, people don't know that, we don't know what we don't know. So if we don't ever hear the feedback, we don't know what to change. You know, how does that person respond to diversity or, you know, what's that window of, of tolerance when it comes to distress? Um, do they have self-awareness or that capacity to even be aware of, you know, I am stressing myself out, I'm stressing other people out. Um, maybe my coping skills aren't the greatest. So how much awareness do they have? Um, and then we get into like that, that self-talk. How do we talk to ourselves Um, What are those messages that we're we're giving ourselves when it comes to stress? Are you talking to yourself in a way that's helpful and empowering? Or are you, you know, talking really negative to yourself, which then perpetuates that I can't do it. I can't cope. I can't figure this out. So checking in with our our self-talk. And then how are we able to read the situation? Um, So, you know, what is that need for control? Um, How much trust do we have in other people? All of those things are are personal factors that will feed into our coping and our our stress levels. Um, So making sure that we have healthy relationships, like you're saying, people that will give you information that you need or give you the feedback that you need. Yeah, I, I think that's really important,
0: especially right now with the, the amount of burnout that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, health and human services are definitely seeing that. Our our faculty in K through twelve are seeing mm-hmm. that, uh, and so managing that and 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 working through that is especially important. But I also think it's really important for leadership to also engage in that conversation, and sometimes it's okay to say stop. We've mm-hmm. all got to stop right now and work through this together. And and then in doing so, rather than just continually the the hamster cycle, right? <laughs> yes. It, 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 that just compounds it more and more. And what we need to do is take a moment and work through it co- collectively so that we can move forward in a positive way. And I think we're all trying to figure that out. Right? Oh, absolutely. And... and uh, in that process, there will be mistakes, but if we do so again, back to what Dr. Dickey had said, is in an empathetic way, in a in a good way of communicating, listening. Mm-hmm. We forget to listen, right? Uh, and and doing so in a caring way, we may get out of this in a much better fashion. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. I think that's really important
1: and when you bring up leadership i think again going back to that self-advocacy of us being able to speak with our leaders and, and express our wants and our needs um you know especially when we were flipping back and forth between home environment work environment you know do we work virtually when are we coming back in the office or going back you know to whatever whatever work you do um that whole adjustment is you know i think there was a fair level of anxiety felt like people trying to, to navigate all that stuff. Right. Um, well, and, and humans are ha- habit forming. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> Very habit forming. <laughs> so
0: that is something that we almost have to th- throw out right now because mm-hmm. it is an ongoing change and and daily, right? We're mm-hmm. always having to look at, well, what do we have to manage next? So that's really hard for us to do. Mm-hmm. Just because we're human
1: yes right yes uh so having that i think reminder is is really important absolutely and i think you know when we are spent you know we're getting to the winter months you know and like you're saying getting outside we do need to change our environments we need to be able to have that variety um just getting out in the sunshine is huge um, that Is I there think... some of that in, Iowa <laughs> in the winter? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <sighs> but I think, I think some of the things that we've learned moving forward, you know, when we go into like our work environment and our home environments, to make sure that we have things set up the way that we want them, um, to make sure that we... Have you know I whatever your level of organization is, I know that there's a spectrum of organization <laughs> and so that your workspace is organized for you um, in a way that makes it easier because that will also decrease your stress level if you if you've got what you need, regardless if you're writing a paper or you're baking a cake or you know whatever that occupation is that you're trying to do to make sure that you, you have what you need or that you can adjust it and adapt it and in, in a way that helps you to be successful. Um, And I
0: think going back to that even is in that in those rituals, there can be some of those healthy rituals that we Mm -hmm. partake in that Mm -hmm. can be put into our daily or weekly lives. Right. Um, And so maybe something in our family or in. Uh, work environment changes drastically, quickly, mm-hmm. things of that nature. But there are some things that, nope, I am not going to give up my 6.30 in the morning workout because <laughs> that's really important to me. Absolutely. You know, I, and I think that helps us better cope in the, mm-hmm. in the long term.
1: Absolutely, because, I mean, that goes back into, You know, now we move into the, the O piece of the PEO model, that those occupations and habits, routines, roles, rituals, those are all the pieces that give value and purpose and meaning to the things that we do every day, um, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves. You know, Health management is a huge piece of occupational therapy, making sure that we're managing our health socially, emotionally, physically, mentally, all of those, that holistic model of all the aspects of the person. And making sure that we include coping in that. Um, When I was talking about all the occupations that people do every day, so I'm just going to run down the list. Indeed, because that's where I was heading to next. Go for it. (laughs) You guys do a little mental check as we go through this. (laughs) So we've got our activities of daily living or ADLs, and that includes like your bathing, your dressing, your grooming, things of that nature, the things that you do to take care of yourself and then we've got instrumental activities of daily living or IADLs. And that goes into like your care of others. So if you are, you know, not only caring for yourself, but you're caring for a loved one or a spouse, you know, that includes children, that includes pets. So your pony is included there. Um, how we communicate, uh, our money management, our meal prep, you know, how are we cleaning up? That's the shopping, our religious practices, safety management. So there's a, a lot that goes into just that occupation. And then we have health management, which, like I said, that's your social-emotional health promotion, you know, making sure that we're taking our medicines, that we're talking to our doctors, that we are um, managing our nutrition, are managing our physical activity. Those are those things that we, they can often get overlooked very easily, especially nutrition when it comes to stress, you know, we... (laughs) It's much easier to grab takeout than it is to maybe cook something healthy at home. Um, or maybe you don't have access to healthy foods. You know, there's that the, that whole socioeconomic piece as well. So um, rest and sleep. I would love to take a survey of how well people have been sleeping through the, <laughs> the pandemic. I think we're actually going to get some interesting research out of this um, as, as we look at people's habits and routines. But rest and sleep is huge. And rest is not only like, the you know, like you were saying before to stop, like we need to allow rest in our day, um, to the ability to turn our brains off and to just take a deep breath and not have to feel like we're constantly producing. Um, so making sure that we're taking care of ourselves making sure that our sleep environment is set up in a way or our, our habits and rituals before going to bed are set up in a way that promotes sleep. So get off our phones before we go to bed. <laughs> do as I say not as I do Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then we've got education and that could be formal or informal just you know you fact seeking you know you get interested in something making sure that you have access to that so that's another occupation and then we've got our physical work um you know what are we are we looking for work are we enjoying our work um are we preparing for retirement you know school is school and play our work for kids um Making sure we have time for play. Like you said, going out and playing with your pony. Um, play is spontaneous. And I think that we need more of that in our, our maybe not daily. That might be difficult. Difficult, <laughs> yep, yep. But at least at some point, making sure that we give time for play. Um, and that includes leisure. Leisure is usually a little bit more planned. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, maybe where you're joining a sporting event or a team. Um, and then social participation, making sure that we're with our community our family our friends our intimate partners our peer groups so those are, are just a list of occupations that we have um, that really fill up our day and our times and I think as we look at life balance and look at coping um, take in an inventory of you know how well am I doing in these o- occupations um, am I using these occupations to help me cope or are they they increasing my stress level. Like you were saying, you know, if we've got so many things on our plate and we're trying to juggle and we're trying to pull everything together, it makes it really difficult and it can increase our stress levels if we're out of balance in any of those areas.
0: I think it's really important too for us to uh, take a moment and recognize that some individuals will struggle with these because of social determinants mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. other barriers, so as providers, nurse, OT, PT, so on and so mm-hmm. forth, understand that our social workers are our friends. Oh yes, and that and <laughs> that engaging in those conversations and r- referrals quickly to get these individuals the assistance they need Absolutely. is is vital right, to their success.
1: And that you know, going back to listening, making sure that we are, are hearing our client, that we're not just doing a checkbox correct you know and not only for our clients but for each other yes
0: Um, that's that's so key those open-ended questions let them tell their story Mm -hmm. and in doing that you're gonna learn so much more you're gonna engage in those barriers and and hopefully be person-centered enough Mm -hmm. that we move their journey a little closer to health and wellness
1: absolutely absolutely
0: well Thank you so much for coming today. We truly appreciate you visiting and, and sharing your expertise. And we look forward to our listeners joining us again next month. Thanks. Thank you. Audio production for the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast is provided by FM Studios in Davenport, Iowa. The show is engineered by Dave Baker and edited by Shelby Levo. It is produced by Ann Garten, Director of the
1: Institute for Person-Centered Care and Nursing Faculty at St. Ambrose University.